Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. My guest today is Jack P. Flaherty. After spending more than 20 years consulting and risk management for firms such as Deloitte and PwC, he recognized that often our issues and failures were rooted in poor or ill-informed decisions. In today's episode, we talked to Jack about his book, The Decision Switch. He realized that our success depends on having the necessary knowledge. He developed the seven principles of successful decision-making, a proven framework he created to empower individuals to consistently achieve their goals. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you very much for having me on today. I'm uh, looking forward to the conversation. Yes, uh, <laughs> I was looking at this information. So there's a seven-step process. I know for many people, they're like, um, seven steps. I just make a decision. <laughs> How did you develop this concept of the seven principles for this, for decision-making? It was it, observing both myself, but my clients are uh -huh. just looking at other individuals. And yes, the actual decision itself is a point in time. But there's so many activities that happen before and after that influence uh -huh. our outcomes whether, you know, collaborating with others or, you know, following through on decisions we've made to make sure that people actually, you know, follow through on their commitments. And so it was important to me to really you know, elaborate that for folks to so they, they can achieve the success they really deserve. Now, there's, when it comes to decision-making, you know, as, as a lay person or just someone in everyday life, I, sometimes I'm a lay person when I do some, you know, something that's not in my field. Is there those, are these principles still relatable to, quote, everyday life? Oh, absolutely. The, the, the fundamental principles, I mean, I frame them in, in, in the structure of a, the corporate world as mm -hmm. I, I really want to empower that next generation of leaders. But the same principles can apply to our own lives in, in being able to evaluate a situation, making sure that we've got all the information, talking to you know, different people about you know, what the implications are, the opportunities. But also the most critical aspect is, is the last principle, you know, self-reflection, you know, evaluating, mm -hmm. do we accomplish our goals? And if we didn't, other opportunities for us to improve how we executed on that. So the next time we do it, we don't repeat the same failures. And yeah. as a result, I put together the seven principles so we can consistently get great results to drive future success. Mm -hmm. Now, I I was reading some information, so I usually don't timestamp my my um, interviews as, as because we people watch it again in the future. But I did read something about in the Harvard Business Review was talking about um, making decisions in the during chaos. Tell us more about that. 
So the, a, a huge driver for that, for all of us in our personal and professional lives, is this wave of technology and how it's disrupting our lives and, yeah. and reflecting on whether our careers, our personal lives, and how we do our work. And so many folks are unfamiliar with what these technologies are, let alone what they do, and how it's shifting mm-hmm. the landscape. You and I are both speaking right now from home. Ten years ago, yeah. that would have never happened in this forum. And so that is the, the, the chaos that we're talking about. It's not a negative thing, negative mm-hmm. connotation. But if we don't properly evaluate all these different stimuli and, and changes to the world, we're going to be set and, and, and maybe left behind because we didn't take the opportunity to really evaluate what's going on and, and you know, apply to our lives or professional lives to, again, achieve the success that we deserve yeah. and, and, and you know, we've set ourselves up for. So let's use this particular you know, concept as far as the, the AI, the technology type of thing. Sure. So we don't know what we don't know. So people make decisions based on the information they have now. And of course, retrospectively, let's say a year from now, they're like, oh, we shouldn't have done that. So using your seven principles, let's talk specifically about that because everyone can relate with technology. Let's talk about the seven sure. principles of currently today using AI technology uh, for well, how it's beneficial and how it may not be beneficial. So walk us maybe through some of those steps, your principles. Absolutely. The, the, the first principle is to triage first. And this means to do a landscape assessment, both of ourselves, but you know, our industry or whatever situation we're in and you know, what factors are at play. I have a couple of close friends who are screenwriters. We had a, you know, a, a great you know, tension-based debate about you know, the writer's strike and what's going on. And one of them was really pushing, we want more writers in the writer's room. And I took a pause and I try to put it in empathetic you know, terms, sure. but change yeah. is afoot. And if we don't acknowledge that mm-hmm. and incorporate that into our plan forward, again, we're going to leave ourselves you know, as dinosaurs and not be able to mm-hmm. you know, really harness the potential of these technologies. And because AI is, does a tremendous job of generating content, but the great yeah, thing does. that we cannot forget is that you still need the human element to shape that. So mm-hmm. it speeds up the process, but we still need that critical thinking at the end of it. And whether yeah. it's you know, going further down with collaboration and, and, and working with others, all these technologies speed up the pace of business, speed up the pace of our lives. And by you know, taking a, a strong and deep understanding of, of what those are, we can set ourselves up for success and, and you know, having the confidence that we positioned ourselves you know, for that. You know, I was thinking specifically about a lot of different artisans. I was speaking with a friend of mine who said that um, his family comes from a long line of long line of shoemakers or cobblers. And I was like, well, that's great. But in my mind, I'm thinking that's, you know, very past, very passe. But that there is an aspect of the artisan component of someone who can truly craft a shoe, if you will, versus maybe more of the um, more of the, the technology today. So I think a lot of it has to do with what one's perception is as far as quality. Now, when we look at from a, um, from a production standpoint, obviously more quantity for many different companies is greater than the quality of that because they can turn over in their volume sure. as far as their sales as well. So does it, is it dependent upon what a person wants um, in, in, or is it dependent upon what the community or the, from, um, consumer? from well, a consumer, yeah, what a consumer wants? There's been tremendous leaps. Uh, my wife, she's in the fashion industry, and mm-hmm. we're even seeing it there, where you, you brought mm-hmm. up the concept of shoes, and there's new platforms out there that will take full-scale body images, 
and we provide customized clothing based on yeah, that. So you nice. don't have yeah. to go to a store. So it's it's actually many of the concepts that I have in my mind that Italian cobbler that I went to in my in my early twenties and would would shape a shoe perfectly for my foot. And the labor that that took obviously was significant, thereby the price. Well, now mm-hmm. with technology, we can do the same type of approach, yeah. but get you know and and get the same results, but in a shorter amount of time. And the level of precision, I think, has only gone up. So yes, there's great opportunity in the, in the creative world, but again, we still need mm-hmm. humans at the end of the day Correct. to provide that quality control to make sure that you know the final design, the output. You know, really meets the consumers' wants, needs, and they've got a, a great appreciation of that. Now, you talk about triaging. So, from the medical world, triaging means you you assess something very quickly and decide what you need to do. So, the triaging is is one of the first principles. Now, when it comes sure. to having certain people be at the table to triage to see what to do, what principle is that where it has more of the collaborative aspect? Of it? So, yeah, collaboration with others is the, the, the idea that we. Can, so often heroes don't want to get the credit they deserve. And the reason being is mm-hmm. if we don't bring others along and get them bought in. We don't get that continued support. And we're not all yeah. alone. Whatever jobs we have, whatever lives we have, there's other people that play critical roles in that. So by gaining their perspective, getting their support, it's not just the energy that you produce behind a decision, but you get others in a group effort. And so you know, on, the, on one hand, it's, it's creating the most well-rounded and, 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 and positive decision. But on the back half of that is the additional support energy you have to really push that fruit through to get it across the finish line. And that's why collaboration is so important in, in, in really listening and, and in bringing others in. Now, as a leader, so let's say I'm the quote leader of my house, and I say that in quotations because everyone's that very different for every family. Um, and there's also, you know, the leader in, in a corporation or an industry, there can be different levels of leadership. How do, does a leader specifically know their role and understand that other people have different roles, which are just as important? How do they make sure that everyone is aware of the role and how um, everyone has a quote voice at the table? Oh, great question. Before actually the, the, the seven principles, I put a contextual chapter in the book that talks about defining your role. And that's whether it's an organization, a household, whatever that matter is. And there's, there's, there's twofold. One is, you know, we get the right persons who are at the table that contribute valuable in, you know, input for that. But the other is it's efficiency. Because frequently we find individuals that will participate in the decision. So expending effort that's not necessary. Or, on, yeah. or on, on the worst side, the negative side, is somebody doesn't actually follow through and participate because they don't know the role. And I think this is what really contributes to a, a culture of collaboration is by when everyone, when everyone knows what the role is, you don't have to think and question whether or not Bob or Sally's going to do their job. You know they're going to do their job, and so you're going to pick, pick up the proverbial yeah. baton and carry that forward. So it, it, it really cultivates more trusting relationships, you know, more efficiencies within an organization. But it just gives you more confidence because I can own the space. And I just, yes. you know, for us, as, from a mental perspective, it's such a much more positive mindset for us to approach decisions, approach life. Now, this may not, this is slightly outside of the purview of the decision making, but it's, it's part of it as well. So if sure. I'm, let's say, a cog in the wheel in the decision making process, I'm not the, the leader of this. 
and I give my information. I give you know what I think is really applicable, and, and I'm confident this is what it is. And then the leader doesn't necessarily use my information. How does that impact a person that's involved in decision making but doesn't have the final say? How does that impact the whole process overall? Sure. So yes, whenever there's a complex decision, there's lots of ideas that get thrown in, and people do get sometimes alienated or, or frustrated when it's not their idea that winds up getting used. And this is why, you know, the the communication component of this and collaboration empathy are so important because if I didn't choose, you know, your recommendation, your decision, but by coming to you and saying, you know, here's where the pros and the cons were, you feel that you were understood and that you participated in the process. And that's, you know, that's so important for this. So it's not just a matter of just having a bucket to throw things into, but it's by, you know, mindfully acknowledging those that you get, again, that collaborative support for, you know, and, and push behind it. Because so often I've seen where somebody has made a suggestion and then because it didn't go their way, they just cut off and remove themselves. Mm. Yeah, and that's a personal situation that everyone has to deal with because however they internalize the, what the response was is something they can deal with on a separate, on a separate basis. So that's a, that's a different show. But I do want to say this though. So if as a leader, I get all this information. So I get it from you, from, from all these people. I have to make the, the decision since I'm the, the, I have to sign off on this. How do you know when you have enough information to make a decision? It, again, another great question, great prompt. There's never going to be a hundred percent that you have every aspect of information, but mm-hmm. there's the, the notion of, have I you know, inquired with all the critical stakeholders? Have I looked at the mm-hmm. available documentation okay. and, 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 and properly evaluating that, not just going with a gut reaction or a knee-jerk response? And, and, and many times it's, it, it's important to accumulate that and actually give that to your stakeholders before they're actually giving yeah. you feedback. So everybody comes to the, a well-informed oh. conclusion. So I can't assure anyone that they'll ever have 100% information but it's by making sure that you collect as much as possible within the allotted time frame. Because if you're somebody like an air yeah. traffic controller, you need to make a decision within seconds. But if yes. you are making yes. a, a large decision like purchasing a house, there's, there's, there's more lead time with that. And so depending on the situation, you need to evaluate the urgency and, and, and how much you will pursue that additional information. Yes. And, you know, I like the fact that you have, it, have, it, have information before you all come together to, to work on it. Now, when it comes to making decisions, so if, if I have, I have all the information. And so if I'm thinking, sure. okay, well, this is going to affect my, my family or my company uh, for the next five years. But if I really think about it, I'm like, well, wait a minute, five years, that's a lot can change in five years. What happens if six years, all of a sudden the decision I make that affect me for five years, it impacts what's going to happen in six years. How does one have a confidence in the decision-making process to know that they are doing what's healthiest for their company or their family within a, a projected lot of time that they have? Oh, yes. I think a very important question. It's, I mean, this is all about the, the planning process and trying to identify you know, what that future looks like. And based on the information that you have today, you make the best decision. But again, with decision-making being a process, it's recognizing that you know, the landscape may change. I mean, your relationships with, it, with someone may change. Mm-hmm. Technology may change. The consumer market and their appetite may change. And so, yeah. When you are you know, brought with new information, you're then able to pivot and then course correct 
to make sure that you're still sure, you know, going sure. towards your objective, your goal. And that's why I really emphasize the whole notion of having a North Star. Because as we weave along, yes. things will happen. Yes. Obstructions will come up. And how do we navigate around those is the most critical point of that as you establish your path and you course correct based on, as you mentioned, changes or shifts that happen in that five-year period. Mm. I really like how you say that because there are times when, you know, we think we make a decision and that we can't either repeal, we can't repeal that decision or we can't make another decision like a week later because <laughs> we have new information as well. <laughs> not to focus on the, not to focus specifically on the CEOs of these, of these companies, but I know there's a couple different uh, play, uh, companies that have made some decisions that maybe not have gone the way they wanted, like Ocean's Gate and SpaceX. Can we talk specifically about the decision-making that happened with either one of those and how maybe where some of the breakdown went, once again, nothing against those companies, but unfortunately, we all have life lessons to learn and life lessons to teach. Can you speak more on that, please? Yeah, I mean, and I'll start with Ocean Gate. I mean, it's, 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 it's no doubt about it. It's, it's, it's a tragedy. However, yeah. there was a couple of articles that came out a couple, several weeks after um, the tragedy did happen. And one of the things that was, was, was uncovered was that many of the checks and balances were bypassed. The, mm -hmm. the CEO was known for being very autocratic. And so he okay. had a vision for where he wanted to go. He had symbolic dates mm -hmm. that were set up, and he was determined okay. to meet those at all costs. And so that's a scenario right. where you start making decisions based on a symbolic date but you start putting up blinders to whether it's you know, feedback from experts, people who have observed it firsthand, and quite frankly, mm -hmm. you know, regulations and controls of the U.S. government, because that's the reason why they were launching their submersibles in international waters, so they didn't have to comply with certain safety and risk regulations. Yeah. Um, I, keep going. Sorry. If, if I'm a vice means blank, keep going. No, 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 you're fine. Um, no, the, 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 the other. Um, sorry, pause. I, I, I was reading the, 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 the second example. As for the second example, SpaceX. Um, when you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. As for the second example, when you're talking about SpaceX, this is a, you know, an organization that's doing brilliant things. But I read in the yeah, Wall Street Journal several weeks ago where the rocket that exploded last April destroyed about 400 acres of both commercial as well as oh, wow. national park grounds. And oh, you know, wow. one of the critical reasons why that happened was they decided to not use the industry standard shields that would have mitigated much mm. of that damage. And as the article you know, alluded, it was Elon Musk's you know, personal decision to not you know, oh, implement those particular protective shields. And so you know, as a result, this is why it's so important to, to, to collaborate and gather information from those experts. So we're making the best decisions that we can at the time with the information that we have yeah. available. And, 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 you know, we can minimize, for better words, the harm that we, you know, what we have on ourselves, the environment, you know, whatever the situation is. And so I, 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 I really you know, emphasize coming back to the collaboration, information gathering is so critical, you know, when we look at these types of scenarios. As you're, as you're talking, it makes me think of, okay, so I have the people on my team and we're talking about this, but there's so many nuances and so many aspects of unknowns. So how do you know, or how do you gather as many people to collaborate with? So for example, if I'm making for the situation with Elon Musk, obviously sure. nothing against him, but we're just talking about the event uh, with, with that. If he brought in like 20 people, arbitrary number, 
but his, but there should have been at least 50 people part of that. How do you know as a leader when to continue to have more collaboration or more input in that? Because we do have a decision that has to be made, but how do you know, how do you find out how many of the, what's the word I'm looking for? How do you know that you, how can you, what processes can you put in place to be able to have as many people be a part of the collaboration process as opposed to just the few that you think you have or no? Sure. There's no finite number. And okay. it's, it's, it's situation dependent. And when talking about, you know, in this case, and, and Elon's brilliant. I mean, there's, there, there's obviously, yeah, there's, there's no question about that. But if there's specific domains where we're talking about, you know, aeronautics or, or, or safety or, or materials or metals, bringing in those types of individuals, you know, there's, there's typically a pretty standard approach of, of, of who the experts are in those sure. fields that should contribute for that. In, you know, could there yes. be an unknown that does pop up? Obviously there is. I, I think that's yeah. the, 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 the nature of life. Change, surprises happen. So that's why we need to you know, lay the best plan forward that we can. Mm-hmm. And in those situations, whether it be you know, Silicon Valley Bank and, and making sure that you've got the right, right investment advice, in the case of SpaceX, making sure that you've got the right aeronautical engineers and, 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 and you know, experts, it's, it's really identifying what those risks are or those questions yeah. are and bringing those folks to the table. That makes it so powerful to, 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 to bring in others to help you make that decision because, yes, he might have been the ultimate decision maker, but did he have all the information that he needed sure. to make the most well-informed sure. decision? One last thing I'll ask here as, as we wrap up, but from, from a delay person standpoint, so in my family, I'm making a decision. And so in that, I've asked everybody as well, and when the decision is that I would make as quote leader of the family and it impacts the, my family in a different way, or in other words, they're not happy with it. How does one, how does a leader do in the decision you make affect the culture? I mean, it does affect the culture, but as a leader, how do you then help mitigate the culture so that no one is demoralized and this can all be back on the same page of what the vision is? Empathy is, 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 is so critical. And mm. as we, as we go down, that path of, of decision-making and communication, it's by you know, sitting down with those individuals, characterizing and, and, and painting a picture of, of you know, what our plans are, what our futures, what our North Star is that we're looking mm-hmm. to achieve. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's sometimes there's negative consequences. If you have to, if based on your job, you have to move locations, there's a negative impact on your children. And yeah. so walking them through why we're doing this but also what the opportunities are that it presents for them as well. So paint the picture of, you know, both reality, yes, acknowledging, you know, the negative implications, but also painting a picture of the opportunities and, and helping to enable them is really what drives strong bonds and, and trusting relationships. As I can tell you, I, you know, m- much of my business has been based on just being blunt and honest with individuals mm-hmm. and giving them the information they need to either level themselves up find a new career opportunity, but set them up for success as well. So that's by putting ourselves in other shoes and, and, yeah. and really acknowledging that, that we you know, enrich that personal bond, but we set that person up as well for future success. I really appreciate that. Yes. Cause empathy, as we know, is one of the most, um, uh, it helps us stay, stay on the team. We understand the North star. Everyone's can really understand that. Yes. I may not get my way hundred percent, but we, I know that my, the, the quote leader or the person that's on the team, does have my best interest at heart. 
So sure. unfortunately, Jack P. Flaherty, our time is up. You and I could literally <laughs> ping pong back and forth about all this information. If my viewers and listeners want to find out more information about you and to learn more about the decision switch, where will they find all this information online? Absolutely. Come to my website, thedecisionswitch.com, or you can email me at jack of the decision switch.com. Um, and love to hear from you and, uh, and, 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 you know, have you know, future discussions, but you know, wish nothing but success for your, your audience and, and, and the decisions and the success that they achieve. I appreciate that. My viewers and listeners also know that if they can't find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I'll link you with Jack P. Flaherty and the Decision Swiss. Thank you once again, Jack. Thank you very much for having me. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.